Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's made possible in part by contributions from podcast listeners. Please consider making a contribution by going to the Donate Now tab at mpbonline.org. Thanks for your financial support. Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour and MPB Think Radio, where each week we talk with creative Mississippians. I'm your host, Maria Zarang, Folk and Traditional Arts Director at the Mississippi Arts Commission, and today I'm talking with Raven Lovett, a quilter and art therapist. Raven has been quilting professionally since the year 2000, carrying on a family tradition that goes back five generations. She's also a recipient of this year's uh, Folk Arts Fellowship Grant at the Arts Commission, and she recently, well, in a recent exhibit that she has, uh, that has been and extended is Freedom at the Smith Robertson Museum in Jackson. So, Raven, welcome to the show. It's good to have you here. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Well, uh, and congratulations on your fellowship. We're very Thank excited. You. And so I've been kind of talking to some fellowship grantees uh, over the course of this year to kind of highlight uh, our fellowship grantees in the folk arts category. So, um, <laughs> but let's start kind of with the beginning and um, how you learned quilting. I learned at the age of 13. Um, as my mother recalls the story, I asked my grandmother to teach me how to quilt, and she did. She taught me by hand. Um, I stayed at her house a lot. She lived in Verdon Edition area, Metro Jackson area. And so being over there during the summer, and she kept me as a child until I got old enough to go to like daycare and elementary school, at 13, she taught me, and she taught me by hand. Um, I did not pick it back up until I was 19 years old. Mm. At that point, I had graduated from St. Joe Catholic School. I was a student at Xavier University, but due to mental health issues and all of that, I had to actually transfer and come back home. Mm-hmm. So during that time of me sitting out, the psychologist that I was seeing told me to do something with my hands to take my mind off of what was going on with me mentally and emotionally. And so that's how I picked back quilt making. I mm. picked it back up rather. And my aunt, who's now deceased, she taught me how to hand quilt. So the quilt that I started with my grandmother at 13, I didn't finish until I was 19. Um, and the rest was history. I got back into school because I was registered at Jackson State University and I had to withdraw because I had the mental health issue Mm -hmm. when I moved back to Mississippi from Louisiana. And so I spent a lot of time on Tulu's campus and I had a childhood friend that was a student there at the time and I just kind of fell in love with the campus and being there and I registered at Tulu. And I was an English major and so I did an art project one summer in summer school and the art, though, the Spanish teacher told me, you ought to, you know, well, once we did the project, I asked her, could I manipulate fabric? So I made a quilt of all the Latin American flags because we had to do a collage. I said, well, can I use fabric? And from that point on, she was like, oh, you're an artist. You need to take art class. And I'm like, I'm not an artist, you know. And so that's kind of how I guess my identity as an artist started was there at Tuglu College. Um, But for the tradition of quilt making, I started out as a folk artist. I started Mm -hmm. out as someone not professionally trained. So fast forward at 19, 20 years old, 21. Now I'm at Tougaloo College, an English major, and I've tacked on art education. And I just get off into it. I take every art class I possibly can. 
and just fell in love with it. And quilt making gave me a voice. I grew yeah. up a very shy uh, child, couldn't get me to do an Easter speech, couldn't get me to do anything. Um, but when I got to college, that's when I kind of found my voice. And art and quilt making was one thing that allowed me to take my mind off of what was going on. It gave me confidence, too. It made me feel as if I could do something bigger than myself, which, of course, a quilt could be bigger than me. Oh, yeah, of course. That's awesome. I love that. And, uh, you know, you talk about your grandmother and your aunt, and you are also a quilter, that, and it goes back in your family five mm-hmm. generations. So you have this long legacy mm-hmm. of quilters in your family. Were there any other family members besides your grandmother and aunt that influenced you? So not really. It was mm-hmm. just those two because my great well, I think it's like two or three greats. From what I was told, Grandma Isabella, um, this, she was a first generation. And on the books in Mississippi archives, she was actually listed as a seamstress for Warren County, Mississippi. And so sewing and all of that goes far as back there with her. Mm-hmm. And Maggie Young, I don't, that's the second generation. So we have our family reunions. We celebrate Maggie Young family reunion, but. I don't know if Maggie celebrated or not celebrated. I don't know if she quilted, but Luberta Hawkins, which was her daughter, that's the third generation, she actually was the one that taught me. My mom is a fourth generation, which she learned how to do it and knows how, but it was boring to her. Mm-hmm. So she didn't like doing it, and she grew up doing it. Yeah. Um, and so here I am, the fifth generation. So the third and the fifth got yeah. together and made history, and it's, it's been a wrap ever since. Oh, so. yeah. Is that something that's important to you, like the five generations? Is that something that you think about? Or? It is because yeah. it helps shape your identity. When I think about my first solo show, which was um, Grandma's Hands, the Underground Railroad Quilt Code, that allowed me to connect to my heritage, my culture, and my history. But freedom, on the other hand, allowed mm-hmm. me to connect with me. Yeah. Um, and so that's the second solo show. And so... Yes, it is very important to know women in my family did that, to have a a root. Because we can have roots to bad things like, oh, well, why in my family do we have mental health issues or cancer? Mm -hmm. But why not have a root to something that's awesome? Why not have Mm -hmm. a root of a generation that's going and going and going to great things? And so, so, yeah, that is very important to me. Wow, I like that. That's really, really powerful. Yeah, the... The positive things that we pass on. That's really yeah. cool. And uh, I wanted to go back. When you learned how to quilt again mm-hmm. at age 19, was your grandmother alive? At, or no. Or she had passed away? She oh, died okay. when I was 16. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, she passed yeah. away when I was 16. And so your aunt kind of carried the mm-hmm. torch there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I guess I did have some questions about your grandmother sure. uh, since she kind of looms large for you. And uh, I have a quote. <laughs> I'm quoting you. Um, okay. You say, watching my grandmother, the technique, the patience, the result, and the result of a process created from these simple pieces of cloth was magical to me. And I thought that was really interesting. And so I thought maybe you could talk about how your grandmother was as a quilter, that technique, that patience, her process that, you know, kind of wowed you in your youth. Well, as a child, it seemed like patience to me, <laughs> to me, especially having more patience with us. Because yeah. um, I had a very knothead cousin who was very mischievous and we'd always get group spankings. Um, so to have her not spank us and we do something else was like, oh, Big Mom's not fussing at her, so she's not, you know. But a part of the magic that I saw was her taking fabric 
out of nothing. Like I'll, I have like the quilt that's on the front of that p- pamphlet that you have. Mm-hmm. I'm wrapped in her quilt. Those are her clothes. And one cool thing about my grandmother, she didn't measure anything. She didn't. She was not technical. She would cut and then she'd rip and just draw and do a line. So she was very uh, free flowing with what she did. But it did take a lot of patience to kind of navigate through that. She wasn't like I said. She was just. If she was a rapper, she'd be a freestyler. She mm-hmm. didn't have this organized yeah. set of lyrics. And so to me, it was just interesting to see her in that different regard because she was a caregiver for us. She was a babysitter. She was a disciplinary. Um, she was the one that patted you when you were sick, you know. And so and as a child, she used to call me kitten because I had to have something on my face when I went to sleep. So she was more than just... This person now that was a caregiver, she was actually an artist. Mm-hmm. And I had never seen that side of her. And so, to, and she had really big hands. Um, and she was heavy handed too. So, if she popped you, you better get out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and she was a great cook. So, gingerbread and, and pe- homemade pepper sauce and chicken and dumplings and turnip greens. And so, I didn't eat much candy growing up. I didn't learn to eat candy till I got grown. <laughs> um, but just to see her in a different form. And so, that was the magic of it to see her from this domesticated woman. Cause she only, she didn't have, she didn't go to school. She didn't graduate. I think my grandmother had an eighth grade. No, either eighth grade or third grade education. She didn't go very far in school. So she was a very domesticated person. She had eight children. Um, At this point, of course, all of them were grown. Her husband passed away when my mother was 15. Um, And so to see her in a different light, a different form was really cool to me. Um, But I always tell people when we're born, God downloads in us every program, everything we're going to do in our life, like a cell phone. But when we get older we start to upload those things. So me asking her was already set in time that I was going to ask her one day because that was a program that God downloaded in me to be an artist. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, um, I actually, I have another question okay. uh, from a quote that's about you kind of learning. Um well, actually, I can just paraphrase it, but you had said that you had trouble sticking to, like, traditional, like, forms and mm-hmm. colors, and that didn't maybe appeal to you or challenge you as much. Can you talk about that? And So, I'm going to go back to when I was yeah. three. Um, I was in daycare, and <laughs> I would change my clothes a lot. So, when my mother would come pick me up, I would have on green pants, yellow shoes, orange socks, red shirt. And it was always asked, well, did she have an accident? No, she came that way. As I got older, and I just realized this about four months ago, I've always been a colorful person. Mm -hmm. That's always been my personality. So the kind of mundane, um, traditional patterns or some of kind of the dull colors, they didn't interest me because that wasn't my personality. So if you look at my work now, it is extremely colored. I put fat like your sweater mm-hmm. is beautiful. So I could literally cut that up and put that with a bold green or a gold or orange. I like to push the bar with things because my personality is colorful. The way I cook, the way I sing, anything I do has flavor to it, so to speak. And so that's why I didn't really... Some of the other patterns and things I've learned that way. And you'll see some traditional things in my work. But the color of things is what makes me a very vibrant and bright quilter. 
So. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you about that because that's the first thing I noticed about your work was how colorful it was. A lot of pattern, a lot of texture. And um, I wonder kind of where do you get your fabrics? How do you source all that? Um, I get my fabric from Hobby Lobby. I order it online. Um, people give me fabric. Gwendolyn McGee, who is a Mississippi awesome great, who is one of my mentors, she gave me a lot of fabric um, years before she passed. And so and she actually got a chance to come to my first quilt show. So she would be super proud of me if she knew what I was doing now. Um, so I just get it from different places. I've Walmart, um, I'll, Good Salvation Army, Goodwill. I'll cut up things like if if you were a piece of fabric, Maria, I cut you up and put you in a quilt. So <laughs> you know, I just I love fabric and I love like I said, busy patterns. They just they strike me. Yeah, yeah. And there's one uh, one of your pieces uh, called let me pull up the title, "Too Big for My Britches." That's made with uh, denim. Mm-hmm. And it's re- maybe you describe it. It's really interesting. It's like just this pair Bridges. of jeans. Yeah. So the premises are too big for my britches. So they used to make britchy quilts. Back then, they didn't have access to a lot of new fabric, so they used a lot of their own clothes, the feed mm-hmm. sack. If people have grandparents, they know what that feed sack is. They used to put their clothes pins in that fabric and on the clothesline. Um, but too big for my britches stands in that premises. So those are my jeans. I used to work at um, American Eagle, and I wore uniforms K through 12th grade. Mm-hmm. So by the time I get to working at American Eagle is where I really learn how to dress. Mm-hmm. But those uh, blue jeans were a size 10. And I'm not a size 10 anymore. But so too big for my britches is kind of like my favorite jeans. I've kind of evolved from that size. So it's almost embracing a healthy body image because no matter what size I am, I'm beautiful. I'm loved. I'm worthy. And so Too Big for My Britches kind of celebrates just just the range of growth from me being a a teenager to now. And it comes kind of into my own, too. And those pockets on there from my dad's jeans, he starched and ironed. He is so, so very much until he had holes in them. So I just cut the ones that he discarded because they were too starched and had holes in them. And I put his pockets on there, too. So. Yeah, it's such an interesting quilt because it's like a pair of jeans in the middle. And I didn't know that was your dad's pockets. And mm-hmm. it's like pairs of pockets all on the sides of the quilt. It's really interesting and kind of harkens back to, yeah, people making uh, uh, quilts with like old clothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I love that. I love that reference. Hi, I'm Maria Zarang. You are listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The Arts Hour is a co-production of the Mississippi Arts Commission and MPB Think Radio. You can also listen to the show on Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5. To have access to all Arts Hour interviews, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. When you look at your vehicle, think of MPB. Need to get rid of your ride? Donate it by calling 877-MPB-4-CAR. Need to have some work done on your truck? Listen to AutoCorrect Thursdays at 10, Saturdays at 11. An MPB license plate reminds you that MPB is with you wherever you go. Go to your county office and ask for an MPB car tag. MPB and cars, better together. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 
And we're back to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I am he- I am Maria Zarang, and I'm here with our guest, quilter and art therapist Raven Lovett. Welcome uh, back to the show, Raven. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Before the break, we were talking about um, you know your work and how you got into quilting, and uh, I have one more kind of question about your your work just as an artist generally Mm -hmm. and I wanted you to talk about your creative process you uh, have a very interesting approach where um, it's kind of more about message maybe than other kind of aesthetic choices so can you talk about that yes so historically quilts tell a story they um, their narrative their they call them story quilts and so but for me with the flip well, let me say the dichotomy of what I have going on with art and art therapy and one of my passions of mental health, spiritual health, physical health, financial health. Um, I want my work to serve as hopefully a, a roadmap or a template to help guide someone back to their creative process or to a creative process of healing for them. And so that's now for me a big deal. When I started out more so with the art quilts, they were just specifically art. But even then, I didn't, I had African strings that was hanging up at um, Smith Robinson Museum, and just that one it was a reaction piece. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a reaction to um, a photographical. Uh, exhibit that I saw at Jackson State when I was at Tuklu. I was a senior and I was getting ready to graduate and the show was called Lynching Without uh, Sanctuary, Lynching Photographies in America. And so that was a reaction piece. And so from that point on, I think my work started transitioning to what message or what purpose am I wanting people to walk away when they see my work? Mm -hmm. You know, what do I want them to be thinking about? What do I want them to be challenged on? And so it went from the butt warmers like Autumn Embrace to African Strings being a more conscious, more thought out, more thoughtful process to now even transforming with freedom, finding my own freedom, finding my freedom in my faith, finding my freedom as a black woman, finding my freedom as an artist. And so it, it my work now stands to hold weight mm-hmm. when it's just not like, ooh, butterflies and rainbows. We're just kicking up, you know, lilies or something. But more so when you leave, you leave inspired, you leave motivated, um, encouraged, you leave challenged. Yeah. And so I do a lot of praying now. I ask God to step in and give me the, the insight and the things and even more now with that because of my faith he shows up a lot in my work so um he <laughs> we're creating his likeness and image and he's the original artist i mean you look at the sky you look at the mountains you go to certain places geographically and you're like man this is beautiful so if i'm creating his image then i'm going to create images myself mm-hmm. but just like with god they have purpose um, we're all created for a purpose. And so I just want people to be inspired when they see my work. And so that's the big thing. What do you walk away when you see one of my pieces? Yeah. And is that kind of one of the reasons why you kind of uh, name your quilt story quilts, you know, to have that? Like, uh, is that the message element, the story or not? really? Not really. Yeah. I mean, traditionally, they're, you know, well, mm-hmm. now they're not just seen as like, for functional purposes, right. but more artistic purposes. So, yeah, they are story quilts. They are narrative, but 
if anything, I would want them, like I said, to have a message. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a there's a story behind it. I mean, my, my husband always says, you have you tell long stories. I'm like, duh, because yeah. I'm an artist. I have to tell stories. So, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, message mm-hmm. is kind of the, the main priority for you. Right. Yeah, yeah yes. totally. Okay. Well, you mentioned kind of two things, and that's mm-hmm. where I want to go next. Okay. Uh, let's start with Autumn Embrace, and then we'll talk about, you talk about freedom a lot, which mm-hmm. is the title of your exhibit that you have going on at the Smith Robertson Museum. So we'll talk about that one after. But okay. you talk about Autumn Embrace as this transition quilt. It is. From the kind of utilitarian to art quilts. Why don't you t- tell us about that quilt and what that transition means to you? So for me, and I always start what inspired me to do the work. Mm-hmm. What did I see, smell, hear, um, think about? So I was on Beasley Road here in Jackson, and it was during fall. All the trees were turning beautiful colors. And I was like, ooh, that would be a pretty quilt. So I went and got fabric from Walmart. At that time, I was just only buying fabric from Walmart because I still didn't know much about where to get fabric from. And I looked at that quilt, and it's almost about a king size. And I'm like, man, okay, this is something new. This is something I've never done. And so the next piece after that, which is not featured, that actually my art professor and mentor from Tulu, Bruce O'Hara, he owns that one. That's when Pinwheel. Mm. And then Pinwheel got smaller. Then I went from African Strings. It, it went in a different direction. Then I had my first solo show. And with that... They kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And then my back, my feet were swelling because I was using a presser foot a lot. It it became, okay, you're not sleeping under these. Even this big, huge one, that doesn't, nobody sleeps and rolls over and slobs on their pillow under that quilt. This is really still art. So it was more so of what are you going to do with it now? Like mm. you're not sleeping under, you're not using it. It's hanging on the wall. So why don't you scale it down some? And so that's how that kind of went. My mom calls them butt warmers. It went from the butt warmer (laughs) to now this is an art piece. This is going to hang on the wall. And so that's why I say that was my transition piece. That was my last piece that I was going to do that was a bed quilt. So And it Mm. it has. It's really been the last kind of large piece like that unless somebody commissions me to do a piece. Yeah. Do you do a lot of commission work? Um, I kind of stay away from it just because... It takes a lot, and I am a one-person show, so I don't have a team of people. Now, I take that back. I do have long armors, so I have three long armors, and I have to say how much I love uh, Kay Elliott, um, Danielle Butler, and Kristen Price. Those are three of my long armors that actually, once I create the top, they put it on their long armor machine. And so that's a whole other process, but... I get excited about creating the fabric selection, but the quilting, I want that done quickly. So mm-hmm. I've gone from the, I'm sitting doing it myself on my own machine or by hand to a much larger uh, machine so I can get more production done. Um, so, yeah, I don't do a whole bunch. And when I did Freedom, I I canceled everything I had going on. I said, look, y'all, I'm retiring. They were like, no, I want you to do a T-shirt. No. This is my last project. I, I got to focus on this. And so yeah. I'll, I'll entertain doing more pieces, but they take a lot out of you. They're a labor of love. Yeah. And so I take it seriously. I don't, I'm not trying to just mass produce and I'm not going to replicate. The only way I replicate is like prints. But if I make one quilt, you may not ever see that same quilt again. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. And then just for our listeners who may not know 
what a long arm is. Can you just quickly define yes. what that is? So a long arm machine is a 14-foot uh, industrial type sewing machine. And what it is, you can get quilting done at a mass rate. So this frame is 14 feet long, and you have a sewing machine head that's probably maybe a foot long and it comes across the whole quilt so it takes up the place of the little old lady sitting around a quilting frame those machines can rain as much from ten thousand dollars to forty thousand dollars per machine they can be 10 feet long five feet long 14 feet long so and they have a laptop on the end of them or you can do them manually mm-hmm. so they, they they get the work done a lot quicker right Oh, okay. All right. And that's why they call it a long arm Mm -hmm. because it's just like a longer like head. Yes. And you Uh have long armors in the state that charge for their services. Mm -hmm. You bring them the top. You have your batting, your lining. They put that together. They put it on their machine and you possibly can get a quilt done in a week. Yeah. Wow. Well, I think let's move into the kind of art quilt realm and talk about the latest exhibit, Freedom. And so... uh, well, why don't you just talk about why you named it Freedom and kind of what that means for the exhibit as a whole. Okay. So Freedom for me, it, it stands in a uh, um, scripture. I think it's John 8 and 36. People that know their Bible, don't quote me on that. If I got it wrong, I got it wrong. Um, but it is who the sun sets free is free indeed. And those that really kind of know me and know my story, I had a lot of issues with mental health. And I was once diagnosed depression, bipolar, massive depressive, um, mass, what is it, manic depression, I'm sorry. And so I struggled a lot over the years, but it wasn't until I was about 36, 37 that I started dealing with being molested at three. And one of my pieces in my show is called Proverbs 31, Deliver Me. And it talks about that. Yeah. Um, and so that's what that show is said in. I'm free. I don't mm-hmm. have the struggles of mental health that I used to have. I know who I am. I'm comfortable in who I am. I am a colorful, beautiful, unique person. And I'm happy about it. I don't have to hide or be ashamed about what happened to me or the struggles that I've had because that happened to me. And so that's where this show was kind of... It, it is not kind of where it, it's rooted in mm-hmm. is it's a coming out party for me. We talk a lot about everybody coming out and whether you're coming out with, you know, if you have a particular sexual orientation or you're launching a new business. Well, I came out as a child of God and a Christian and a black woman who loves art and loves herself and her family and her culture. And so for me, it was solidifying just another level of self-awareness and letting people know, hey, if something's happening to you, Let's talk about it. Let's make a quilt about it. You know, let's some do some art around it. Let's get healthy. You know, I think a lot of times we don't really put a lot of emphasis on mental health. And I am a champion and advocate for mental health because it saved me. Yeah. I've been suicidal. I've attempted suicide. And I do believe that God allowed me not to be successful so that I could talk about how to go through that process. Because if you can get to the root of whatever issue you have, you can destroy the fruit of what's going on in your life at that time. And so for me, that's what freedom stands is I'm, I'm free. Yeah. And I'm going to show you all what that looks like. Hmm. So 
Well, I'm sorry that you went through all that, and no, I'm glad I'm that you're, well, you know, <laughs> yeah. glad you came out on the other side. Yeah. And it's, um, you have this amazing exhibit to kind of show for it as well. And I was interested, since this kind of exhibit tells a very personal story, mm-hmm. um, and I feel like, you know, at some moments it's a very intimate and vulnerable kind of work as a whole. Was that difficult to kind of put yourself out there um, when you were putting it together? By the time I got ready, because I got the vision for this show in 2015. Mm -hmm. So I had this kind of laid out then. Mm -hmm. I had just had a very nervous bad breakdown. And God gave me the premises for this show, what was going to happen, how it was going to happen. And so by the time I get to 2023, I'm ready. Because I have had all that time to process that. So my misery became my message. Mm. And so I'm glad that I had to go through that because now I can help somebody else go through it and and be beautiful doing it. You know, and Uh so, you know, it's like I said, when you're free, you're free. When you're comfortable, you're comfortable. And for me, that gave me that voice. Quilt making was that platform for me to share and talk about some things because a lot of people have had been molested, sexual abused, whether it's a family member, church member, Boy Scout, Girl Scout leader, somebody did it to them too. Mm-hmm. But they never dealt with the trauma. Yeah. You know, and so you've got to heal the trauma so that you can move forward in your own life. And a doctor told me, you're going to be on this antidepressant forever. I said, the devil is a lie. I am not. You lying and he lying too. Because I'm not going to be <laughs> on medicine forever. Yeah. So that's kind of how that yeah. took place, you know. Yeah. Okay. Well, I also wanted to ask one thing is I think if you see a lot of the pieces in the exhibit, there's a lot of imagery on there. There's Mm -hmm. imagery of, you know, children praying. There's some religious imagery. There's some imagery of you in your school uniform. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's also these images of you. It seems like versions of you, like with transparent and and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. We can talk about those individual quilts uh, next segment. But um, is that all applique work or how do you get that? Like there's some images of like, you know, Jesus and like the children praying. Mm -hmm. Where do you pick those images and how do you put them on the quilt? So those images, like I said, when God gave me that, that show in 2015 Mm -hmm. he said i want you to make scripture come alive i want you to show what that scripture looks like and so i said i don't know how to draw i don't know how to do that so panels they sell panels at different fabric stores i've ordered some like the one that you're talking about uh that one is called hail mary Mm -hmm. and so i ordered that panel off itsy Oh, So Etsy, eBay, I've ordered panels off there. I've gone to quilt shops and gotten those panels. And then based on the colors in the panel, that's how I picked the fabric to go around them. Yeah. And yes, they are applique. Some of the other pieces like transparent, that's Uh an applique. Okay. Yeah. Kind of like collage then too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hi, I'm Maria Zarang. You are listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The Arts Hour is a co-production of the Mississippi Arts Commission and MPB Think Radio. You can also listen to the show on Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5. To have access to all Arts Hour interviews, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Hello. 
Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back. This is the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Maria Zarang from the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm talking with our guest, quilter and art therapist Raven Lovett. Raven, welcome back to the show. Thank you. All right. So um, when we ended the break, we were talking about freedom and um I kind of first wanted to talk about the whole layout of the of the exhibit and how you broke all of the quilts up that are on display into sections. So can you kind of explain? Sure. That? So the gallery itself is supposed to be that setup of a church. The Some of the pieces, like you mentioned before, like the pieces of Jesus, those pieces, which is about 10 of those, they're to look like stained glass windows. Um, we know the eyes are the window to the soul, but stained glass windows are the soul of a church and so if I'm looking at who I am and my coming out as an artist or just coming to my own is how I've solidified myself and free from things that kind of troubled me over the years I have this newfound freedom within my faith and with who I am but that freedom came through God's word it came through my faith and so those stained glass windows which are absolutely beautiful were a big deal to me the other part of it is self-portrait pieces so of course I can't not talk about self if I'm talking about this newfound freedom and so I use if you look at a lot of the self-portrait pieces you have an afro so I used my hair because I did once have a very large afro um, before I locked my hair, and I have sister locks now. I use it as a metaphor to show the process of me going from being really, really bound because you have that piece where the the jail bars, and mm-hmm. if you look at the piece very closely, there are words written on the afro. So there's bold and beautiful, and I didn't feel that way. Although I had this big, beautiful afro, I totally felt the opposite on the inside. And so that's why you have the bars, you have the lace, because I was so fragile. But on the sides of the quilt, you have my faith, and that's what kept me kind of grounded and held me up. So as you look at other pieces like transparent, you have butterflies in the hair. Mm-hmm. They're gold. That's a thought process because one day I'm going to come to this actualized place. I'm this beautiful butterfly. I'm soaring. I'm free. I'm beautiful. I have everything going for myself. I'm 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 much in a much better place. I'm a new creature. And then if you go back to Chosen, those same butterflies are now actually colorful butterflies. They're actually the butterfly. So it went from a thought process to being a reality. Mm -hmm. And the Chosen piece, you have the minister um, collars on. The young lady, myself, has that on. Because we have a creed at our church that says we're ministers of reconciliation. Not per se I'm standing in a pulpit, but I've reconciled with what I have going on in my life. And I can now minister to other people to help them. And so that's kind of the thought process with those pieces. Not your average Joe. Um, I did that as a demo piece to show how to do T-shirt quilts, but those are all pictures of me as a child. Um, and I went to Catholic schools K through 12. So that's kind of like that piece, but then trans, not transparent, I think is um, 
Is it Forgiven, the other one with the elementary school? Yeah, that was the elementary school. Mm -hmm. That dealt with low self-esteem because Mm -hmm. I did not like the way I looked. I thought I was ugly. And so that little picture that's on there, I had a little gap in my teeth because I sucked my finger. (laughs) So I had braces a while after that, but it took me to forgive myself to really love me. And so that's why that's important. And as it, being an 80s baby, I played with paper dolls. So my auntie bought me paper dolls and my classmate from Florida State, she painted the little girl me on that fab canvas fabric. My mom always kept everything immaculate and she had stuff from 10,000 years ago and she kept my school uniform. So I just slid the fabric up under there and I put my uniform on top of that and so that puts you in the mind frame of my childhood what I played with things of that nature mm-hmm. um transition is the the long kind of panel piece and that talks about just adolescence where I was oh, as a child right. mm-hmm. six to eighth grade right yes. it's like the three uh-huh. um, it's, kind of profiles of you mm-hmm. yeah yeah and mm-hmm. so I had a lot of like I said this is a, a journaling of my process from childhood to where I am right now that's where you have locked in mm-hmm. that's the last piece in that series because and it has locks now I'm locked in I have butterflies I don't have butterflies I have ladybugs so the ladybugs represent prosperity and I'm going in the right direction and lately not lately but when I was working on all those pieces ladybugs were everywhere they were falling in my hair they were all on the windowsill I'm just like what is going on where are these ladybugs come from so um need to say we had to get some stuff fixed at our new house <laughs> but <laughs> it but it was kind of you know both ways stuff need to be fixed but it said something to me spiritually just metaphorically about the the butterflies I love nature Mm-hmm. I love flowers, so you'll see a lot of flowers in my work. I'm a flower child. Was not born in the 70s, um, but love, <laughs> love that time frame of their music and all of that. But um, so, yeah, that's kind of how the, it's broken up into those pieces, the way the self-portrait and then the stained glass windows. Yeah, and it's just fascinating. We were talking about, you know, just how personal it is, but it really is a journey from youth to adulthood, it seems, mm-hmm. of kind of your, yeah, your own journey to kind kind of healing, self-awareness, and, yeah, it's really, really fascinating. I want to go back to one quote, okay. though, because there was one that I was really struck by. You had mentioned it, Bound, mm-hmm. with the jail bar- bars. But what I also liked was that there was also this lace in front of your mm-hmm. face. So it was like these hard steel bars mm-hmm. and then lace. Yes. And I was like, oh, that's that's interesting. Yes. Yeah, you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. Um, so Bound is a piece that's actually behind uh, Proverbs 31. That's like the second piece. So Bound, I was bound mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. I had so many things swirling on in my head till, you know, diagnostic-wise, it would look like bipolar. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the really, oops, I'm sorry, you have the really spiritual side and you're confused and then you have the side you're just spending money, you're doing this you're all over the place. So I had all these highs and lows that was going on within me and I couldn't get a ha- handle on it. So I felt bound. Mm-hmm. I felt locked up. I felt behind bars in my mind and my spirit and, and just in my emotions psychologically. But that lace represented the fragility. Mm -hmm. Um, If you look at that, so the afro in the picture, I cut that out of a T-shirt. 
I was in Lexington, Mississippi in Roses in a store and I bought the t-shirt and I was like, I'm going to use that later. And said, but on the, the Afro in that t-shirt, she had strong and bold and beautiful. You had all these, what I call power words and I felt powerless. And so, but I had all these layers. Mm-hmm. So that represented where I was mentally, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically at that time in my life. And that's why I felt bound. But mm-hmm. yet on the side, you had the blue, cool fabric with the writing, with faith and scripture. That was what kept me grounded. That was what kept me from not really killing myself, yeah. like taking my life and just being over with it. That kept me at bay. And if you notice, it's on both sides. Right. So I had something bracing me in. Even the even the bars, that kept me from not hurting myself. And so there's a lot of layers to that. And that, that lace represented just the fragility of, of me and just another layer on top. Yeah. Another layer on top. And if you could see very closely, there's a blue teardrop. And that's lace, too. Mm. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. But, yeah, that's what I think is so interesting about your work is that you really invite the viewer to sit with it a while you know Mm -hmm. i just think there's a lot to look at and to think about you know um but okay uh, the last thing about freedom i want to talk about and this is actually the first time we had met Mm -hmm. in person at the arts conference um this was that october yeah it was in october early october right after the show yeah yeah the first Mm -hmm. time we had met in person and you gave me this booklet uh about the exhibit freedom and on the cover of the booklet is this really powerful image of you wrapped in a in a quilt and i didn't know until this interview when you brought it up is that it's your grandmother's quilt that Mm -hmm. you said uh so can you kind of talk about this image just describe it since we're on radio and uh (laughs) and then talk about why you chose it as like this cover image for the booklet for the exhibit so let me look at it but um so for me, this picture, it, y'all in radio land, it is a picture of me, and it's a side profile. I'm wrapped in my grandmother's quilt. It's a very colorful quilt. Um, and I'm wrapped up in it like, you know, I'm cold. And I'm standing in a cotton field on the side of the road in, in the Delta. I don't know where we were in the Delta. I just know we were in a cotton field in the Delta. Um, and I did this in a photography workshop back a while, long time ago. Tougaloo College used to have something every summer called the Tougaloo Art Colony. And they invite, invite artists from all over the United States to come and be presenters. And so Jack Colts is a photographer, and he was our teacher, and we did a rolling field trip. So we just got out in the community, and we were riding around. And so I said, oh, can we pull over right here? Because I brought my grandmother's quilt with us. And so I said, sure. So we got out. I got in the cotton field, and the gentleman that was one of my classmates, he said, wrap the quilt around you. And so, of course, I wear eyeglasses, so I push my eyeglasses up on my forehead, and I looked up to the sun, and he snapped a picture. Mm. And so this has been a staple piece for me for a very, very long time. And so doing this, looking at the image... I'm not going to cry because I don't feel like doing all that. But I have, (laughs) it's kind of overwhelming for me to think about where I was, where I am now. But freedom, this this is the 
the epitome of freedom. This is the epitome of being wrapped in my grandmother's love, wrapped in her legacy, wrapped in just so much beauty. Mm -hmm. And that's how I felt. I felt like I could do anything. In this very moment, and if you look at the serene, peaceful look on my face, I felt like I was on top of the world. Yeah. And so now that I'm free, I'm definitely on top of the world. And so I thought this would be the perfect image to put on the front of this booklet and represent the show. And if you look at the description boards, each description that's a self-portrait piece actually has... um, actually has this i think mm-hmm. no not the self-portrait the, the uh stained glass windows yeah 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 i mean when i looked at it it just seems like you felt safe and comforted you know mm-hmm. which you know the quilts that's what they do in yeah. their utilitarian form but also for you as as an artist and using it to express you know your your journey mm-hmm. um and so i think with that i'd love to transition and talk about the art therapy side mm-hmm. of your work and why don't you explain briefly kind of what art therapy is to you oh yeah oh okay well we're almost done so quickly art therapy and then we'll kind of wrap it up okay art therapy is a human helping field that uses the process of art making as the therapeutic modality tool that's the basic definition of art therapy. For me, art therapy, and as an art therapist, I got to practice what I preach. Mm-hmm. So Proverbs Deliver Me 31, Proverbs 31 Deliver Me was my own self-portrait piece to get to a more um, healing place in my life from being molested at three years old. And so how would I not be even a better um, template is if I don't do my own art therapy, if I don't, don't do my own soul work. This whole process has been soul work for me. Mm-hmm. And that is the message for me to send to others. Do the soul work. Don't get caught up on doing medication. Some of us need medication. I get that. But if you can do the work, do the work. And so for for me, art therapy is one of those great works that can be done. I went into art therapy because I want to do non-traditional therapy because I feel as a whole, the African-American community does not really take mental health in the same regard as they do other health issues. That's my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I went to school for that purpose is to be something different so that people could make, so I could be a credible resources to help others in in my community. Okay, and so you offer these resources to the community. Mm-hmm. And with that, where can people find you? You can you call me. me. Uh-huh. My number is 601-594-4097. Um, you can reach me. at That's my direct number. I do workshops. I teach quilt making. I do artist therapy with all ages. I've worked with ages 3 up to 80 plus. Mm-hmm. So please feel free to call me and I'll be more than happy to come to your church group or your Girl Scout, Boy Scout, whatever group you have. I'm there. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners. So if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org. Richard Gershon, the host of In Legal Terms, and a professor at the University of Mississippi School of Law. If you miss a live In Legal Terms episode, find our podcast, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org.